love Christmas just as much as anybody else. I love the red and green. I love the pine boughs and reindeer. I love Santa, and I especially love the music. But one song I cannot bring myself to listen to is Frosty the Snowman. Okay, you're right to laugh, but it sends shivers down my spine. And after you hear my story, I think you'll understand why. Though, you can't blame me if, after you hear it, you don't want to listen to Frosty anymore, either. You've been warned. This happened when I was a little kid, on a crisp weekend just before Christmas. A thick layer of clouds covered the December sky, and yet somehow, when I looked out my window, it still looked as though my yard had been illuminated by the otherworldly glow of the full moon. The clouds themselves were bright and luminous, no moon required, which could only mean one thing, snow. I ran from my bed to take a closer look out my window, and sure enough, a fine white powder was drifting from the sky. It was as though an unforeseen hand was sifting sugar all over the neighborhood rooftops, only colder and better. This kind of snow didn't melt on impact. It added up and up and up. Anyone who grew up in a place where the weather turns cold can tell you that snow brings a unique and electric thrill. And not just because it's fun and pretty, but because every snowfall brings the possibility of one of the most glorious events imaginable, the snow day. Imagine going to bed at night. Your alarm is set, your boring, uncomfortable school clothes are laid out on your desk chair looking like a version of you that had suddenly melted under the crippling weight of impending academia. Your school bag is primed and ready to be hefted onto one shoulder against the advice of every parent in the world, which will surely give you scoliosis one day. You think about the homework assignment you forgot to complete that weekend or that terrible kid who is going to make fun of your off-brand sneakers as you fitfully drift off to sleep. And then, instead of waking to the angry buzz of your alarm, you're roused by your mom. She's still in her bathrobe, gently telling you to go back to sleep because school has been canceled. Redemption. A snow day is the greatest unexpected gift you could ever receive. There will be snowball fights and sledding and hot chocolate and a crooked snowman on every front lawn. Is anybody actually good at building a snowman? Kids aren't, of that much I'm sure. The process is slow and awkward, and the snow has to be just the right consistency for it to really work, but it didn't matter. A tribute to the snow day gods must be paid, and so you and every other kid in the neighborhood would roll and pack and heft until your gloves were soaked through and you had to go inside for a break while they dried next to your socks on the heater vent. That's just how a snow day went. And that night, as I went to bed, I crossed my fingers and thought chilly thoughts. It must have worked because I awoke to my mother, still in her bathrobe, shrieking about the front walkway. It had snowed straight through the night and showed no sign of letting up just because it was morning. 18 inches? Are you friggin' kidding me? She shouted. This was better than I thought. Maybe we'd get two snow days. She went on. And you thought it would be what? Funny? To get out there while it was still dark and build a snowman? I mean, the least you could have done was shovel the driveway or the front walk while you were risking frostbite. That would have been a good surprise. 
You're lucky you didn't hurt yourself, you know that? Because if you had, I couldn't have driven you to the doctors with a foot and a half of snow on my car. My mother stood there red-faced as my father emerged from the bathroom, infuriatingly calm. For the last time, hon, I didn't build a snowman in the middle of the night. Check my boots. They're all dry. It must have been kids, he said, reaching for the coffee pot. Well, now I was interested. What are you talking about? I asked. Well, good morning, my father said, amused by the whole thing. Looks like the snow day you ordered has finally arrived, and it came with a friend free of charge. Go ahead and see for yourself. I went to open the front door, but before I could turn the knob, my mother yelled, Ah! You can't go out there in your pajamas. Take a peek out the front window. You can get a better look after breakfast. I padded into the living room, curious as to which kid got a start earlier than all the rest of us, and looked out the big bay window to see a giant, perfectly formed snowman looking back at me. It wore an honest-to-God top hat and scarf, and its eyes, nose, and mouth were made from little black rocks. Nobody had coal anymore, so they had to be from a driveway, but still, the effect was pitch perfect. Wow, I said breathlessly half expecting him to spring to life and yell, Happy birthday! Now I knew right away that a kid did not build that thing. A kid wouldn't have had the patience, let alone the know-how, to make anything you'd actually want on your lawn. And this jolly guy looked like you bought him at Macy's. But that wasn't the biggest giveaway, no. A kid would never, ever build a snowman facing their own house. That's a rookie mistake. You make them facing out, Everyone knows that. Otherwise, every car and dog walker who passes by just sees a lumpy snow butt. When you spend hours freezing for your art, you want to make sure it has an audience. Not to mention, the snowman was huge. I don't know a single kid who could manage a six-foot snowman. The oldest kid on our block is in fifth grade at this point, and he was what my aunt called a late bloomer. I turned my attention to my mom. That wasn't a kid, I say with certainty. And it definitely wasn't Dad. Have you seen Dad build a snowman? It's always crooked and he usually gets mad it won't stay and settles for one giant ball and some mittens on sticks. That is something else. My mother looked lost in thought for a second and then replied, I hadn't thought of that. You're right. Well, I wonder who put it there. Maybe we won a contest or something, my dad chimed in. We all liked that answer a lot better and spent the rest of the day trying to figure out who built the magnificent snowman. I brought over every kid in the neighborhood to inspect it. My dad gathered a crowd of neighbors and my mom called everyone she knew within a five mile radius. Nobody knew a single thing about the enormous mysterious snowman. That winter was the snowiest we'd had in a very long time. It seemed as though the ground never had the chance to clear. The snowman, who was large and dense, stuck around in one form or another for months, and each new snowfall would bring a new, pristine, enormous, picture-perfect snowman to another front lawn on our street. They were always staring at the house and always appeared overnight. This was before everyone had a security camera, so the mystery of who was building these perfect snowmen was pretty tough to solve. They never left any evidence, not even a footprint, just an army of merry snowmen. It was magical, or so we thought. Finally, in late March, the spring weather broke. One sunny day, the last of the snow finally dissolved and ran down the street into the sewer grates. And that's when we noticed something. 
In the spot where the snowman had once sat, attached to a stake that had been driven into the ground, was a plastic bag that contained an envelope. This was it! We were finally going to find out who made the snowman! Maybe we really did win a contest! One by one, everyone who harbored a frosty guest opened their envelopes to read a similar version of the same letter. My mother tore into ours at the kitchen table that morning, and it read, Dear friend, I'd like to thank you for your hospitality. Your home looked so warm and inviting that I decided it would be a nice place for me to stay for a while. From the comfort of your attic, I was able to hear your favorite holiday movies, smell the delicious meals you cooked, and listen in on your most private conversations. You became my favorite show. Most of the time, I didn't dare come out until you were all sleeping. And then I would tiptoe down into your house to search for something to eat, stretch out on your comfortable sofa for a while, and peek in on you as you slept soundly in your beds. Occasionally, I would hide somewhere so I could see you all closer up. Those days were my favorites. I can't stay in one house for too long for fear of being caught, so as a symbol of my gratitude upon my most recent exit, I left you this snowman. He'll spend the winter watching you, just like me. I look forward to seeing you and your family again soon. Even though you won't see me, I still look forward to our visits. We've had so many over the years. Oh, and don't bother adding locks to the doors. That isn't how I get in, and I'd hate to see you waste your time and money. Enclosed are some photographs I thought you might enjoy. I know I enjoyed taking them. Well, I have to hurry on my way now. But don't worry, as I wave goodbye, you don't have to cry. I'll be back again someday. Sincerely yours, Frosty. And then my stunned mother, who had gone white as the snow herself, dumped the contents of the envelope onto the table. There were dozens of photos of us engaged in normal daily life, completely unaware that anyone was watching. They went back years and years, all the way back to when I was a baby. You could see they were all taken from places where a person might hide, through the crack of a barely open coat closet door, around the large hutch that held knickknacks in our living room, up from under the dining room table. All that time, we had no idea. My mother dropped the photos and screamed. Horrified screams echoed from houses all over our block as they discovered their own letters from Frosty. The police were notified and a massive manhunt ensued, but we never found a single usable trace of evidence. Everyone in town checked their homes. They checked doors and windows and of course their attics. There was plenty of evidence that he had in fact been in all of our homes. Makeshift beds, food wrappers, more discarded photos, but nobody could figure out how he got in or out. Some people moved, some people installed security systems, and some got big dogs. But eventually things settled down and Paco Frosty began to wane. Until. Five years ago, my parents decided to remodel their basement. They wanted to finish it and create a game room down there so that their grandkids could play. To prepare for the contractors, my dad cleaned everything out, and in doing so, he came across a storage closet in a darkened back corner that he hadn't touched since they moved in. He opened the door and began clearing out ancient cans of paint and dusty chairs that had been in my parents' first apartment. And after all the clutter was cleared, he noticed something odd. 
In the back of the closet was another door. He turned the knob and pulled it open, and there before him was a tunnel. It was pitch black. He grabbed a flashlight and followed the tunnel a little ways until it ended at a dirt wall with an embedded metal ladder. At the top of the ladder was a trap door. Now, my father knew he hadn't gone far enough to be off our property, so where on earth could the trap door lead? And that's when it dawned on him. He pushed the trap door open and found himself emerging from the floor of the old coal shed in our backyard. It was a tiny, crumbling brick building that we never touched because its structural stability looked sketchy at best and inside was filthy and covered in soot. Lots of houses in our neighborhood had them, but they were very old. Gas heating had rendered them useless along with the coal furnaces they used to feed. You see, when our development was first built over a hundred years ago, the clever architect had put in underground tunnels to the coal storage sheds so that homeowners wouldn't have to walk through the rain or snow to get fuel for their furnaces. The neighborhood had been built up considerably since then, but all the original homes had a coal shed. They were heavy and stone and hard to remove, so most people just left them there to decay. The furnaces had been taken out ages ago, but the tunnels were still there. And so too was a small amount of decrepit coal rattling around on otherwise barren shelves. So you see, the snowmen really were accurate. Their eyes weren't driveway rocks. They were honest-to-goodness coal. My father glanced around the crumbling little shed and noticed something else among the rubble. Something modern that glinted in the glow of the flashlight. It was a little glass figurine in the shape of a snowman. And when my father picked it up, he found it was hollow and a little note had been left inside. All it said was, catch me if you can. But nobody ever did. And that's why I hate that song. I'm Holly. I'm Leslie. And we, we would be, be dead. dead. Holiday edition. Yeah! Yay! everyone has had a very happy holiday. Oh, it was great. Yes, it was very nice. I hope Santa brought you everything your little heart desires, if you so believe. Um, and even if not, I hope he still brought you stuff. Yeah, why not? Yeah, like everybody should get some nice stuff. And I hope you enjoyed some tasty food and some sparkly decorations and lively company and that you watched our live holiday special. Mm. And if not, like get on that. Yeah. It was surprisingly fun this year. Sure, yeah. I'm like, sure. Surprisingly makes it sound like it's not usually fun. It usually <laughs> is fun. I don't know, like we planned it this year. And we're like, we'll read the ghost stories and it'll be fun, whatever. But then like, I feel like we picked really good stories. Yeah. And then we got into like really fun conversation afterwards. Yes. It yeah. just took it a was, fun turn. You know, it was surprisingly fun. Right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
See? Okay. It took like a really great turn. I was like, oh, we're talking about some really hilarious stuff. Speaking of which, I still think I need to edit out the part where we were like waiting for some people to come in. <laughs> oh, no. So um, we're like, hopefully boop, by the boop, time you around. hear this, it'll be edited. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you could probably just skip ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. But yeah, I really enjoyed those stories. Perhaps we will uh, add them to the main feed next year or something because yeah. they were great. Mm-hmm. Anywho, go watch it. Now, I know we're a little late with our holiday character episode this year, but we did choose one, in all fairness, that is appropriate all winter long. Right? Yeah. yeah. That's right. This year, we are ruining the snowman. Oh, no. I know. I'm so sorry. And in doing this research, I've had to spend a lot of time in my chilly office reading about, like, mm-hmm. cold, windy days and snow. And that's left my skin so dry. Yeah. Yeah. So chapped. Blistered. So pale. Ugh. Yeah. I'm starting to kind of look like a snowman myself. Yeah. It's not good. It's my carrot nose. I know it. It is. Yeah. (laughs) Buttons. So many buttons. (laughs) Like a Coraline scenario. All of a sudden, I'm like, uh. (laughs) And I have tried every remedy known to humankind to like, you know, warm up my frosty visage, but none of them have worked. And those buttons, they won't come off. They will not. How do you moisturize a carrot? Or a button. I know. All of this is difficult. Mm. So you know what I do, though? I remember hearing about one legendary ingredient that can take care of all of that in just one shot. Do you know what that is? Um, Oh. It's a little pinch of... Validation. A hill worth dying on. (laughs) Is that holiday validation? Yeah. That's nice. You're going to take us into the new year with gusto. Oh, yeah. I'm coming in hot. I like like it. Oh, my God. (laughs) I wasn't ready. I'm going to defrost the snowman. You sure are. (laughs) Best of all, Leslie, our fiends can give us this priceless ingredient free of charge. But you know what? It sounds expensive. Maybe maybe it should should be more expensive now. Yeah, but, but how can we get it for free? But how, you must be asking yourself. That was a very good pivot. I appreciate it. Well, I will tell you. Simply head on over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and or a friendly review. It really is the only way to move this podcast forward. Ratings and reviews equal attention. Attention equals support. And support equals more and better content for all of you. That's nice. Isn't it? You just want to give them something nice. Mm -hmm. But if you just cannot wait for more We Would Be Dead in Your Life, don't worry. You don't have to. Yes. You can support us over on Patreon. I should have risen to the occasion. I should have known it was happening. <laughs> there for just a few dollars a month, you will gain access to our entire catalog of 30-minute horror movies, special mini-sodes, our weekly after show, Host Mortem, which is available in both video and audio formats. Maybe you want to see our faces. Maybe you don't. Both are okay. You'll also get a special gift in the mail from us, the opportunity to participate in some giveaways, some merch deals. You'll get an on-air toast dedicated just to you and more. In all honesty, we are here thanks to our patrons. So come on over and be part of the We Would Be Dead family. Sounds nice. It's very nice. And if all of that is a little too much for you, you can simply follow us on social media. We are at Would Be Dead Pod anywhere and everywhere you get your content. You can like our posts, share our posts, like and share our posts. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, do that one. Leave us a comment, post about your favorite episode. Let us know when you're listening. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell the guy who 
who drives the snowplow through our fictional neighborhood. I feel like we live in a place that gets snow, right? For sure. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. What's, what's his name? Roger. It's a good one. Yeah. I like it. Then your friends and Roger can become fiends and we can all hang out together. I think that's the name of the snowplow guy in the movie Snow Day. Okay. That works for me. Also, like, if we befriend Roger, then we can tell him to plow in our enemies. Sounds dirty. Okay, Leslie. I meant their driveways. Relax. That's what she said. <laughs> so they can't pull out. Ah! <laughs> All right. Michael Scott is rolling in his grave. Oh, Lord. He's dead. Oh, no. I don't know what happened to him. The office ended. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's fine. Whatever. That's what happens when shows end, right? Characters They just all die. die. It's awful. It's just... It's way worse than anybody knows, especially when it's cartoons. Yeah. Oh They're just God. gone forever. Just dead. Sorry, guys. Well, I think that's uh, pretty much all I have in the way of announcements for this week. Oh, except that's not 100% true. Okay. Um, I hope everybody saw, like, the stuff we shared on um, Gypsy Rose Blanchard Anderson now being released. Mm-hmm. So she's out and home, and we're really excited to hear about that. And um, I put a, a post up in our story, and I'll I'll try and link it somewhere else that has a link to buy her book because from prison she wrote a whole book. Oh, of like her story from her point of view. Downloading. Yeah, I know. I'm <laughs> like, I want that right now. You can pre-order it, and it will be available for everyone. I think January twenty something. Okay. But there's a link in our um our Instagram stories if you guys want to go and get it. It's like only 10 bucks. But if you're looking for a way to support Gypsy because the story was particularly touching to you or you just like really want to know what's in that book, Mm -hmm. which both. So then um, tell the story. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Then pick up a copy. That's great. Okay. That's actually all I have in the way of announcements for this week. Leslie, do you have anything to add before we begin? (sighs) You know, not really. No. Um, I've been reading the Britney Spears autobiography. How's that going? It's great. Pretty rough, I heard. You know what? It's the problem that I have with it, though, mm-hmm. is that I am getting a lot, but also now I have way more questions. Uh oh. Yeah. Do I need to read it and then we need to discuss it with our patrons or something? Because we did have a whole episode devoted to Britney. Yeah, I would like to. Okay. I think it'd be a fun discussion. All right. Yeah. I'll read it. Or maybe I'll get the audiobook and listen to Michelle Williams dramatically it's read great. it to That's me. That's what I'm doing. Perfect. She deserves an, is it an Emmy Do you, or Grammy? A Grammy? She she deserves okay. a Grammy for this Does performance. Does she, she killing it? Yes. I'm very excited. Yes. She really gets it. Like you, yeah. We can talk about it with the patrons. I have a lot to say. We definitely should. And now we are all mad at Justin Timberlake, so. Yeah. Although she was very kind to him in the book. Sorry, JT. It's going to catch up. very kind. Was she? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. anything I've heard, like, stories that have come up from it is pretty pretty damning. Yes, but also, like, he's he's fine. Okay. All right. He'd be fine. Sure. He's fine. Yeah. Well, all right, then. <laughs> On with the show. Whether they're singing of silver and gold, holding the ghost of your dead father, dreaming of summer, or running here and there all around the square saying, catch me if you can, the snowman has become an enduring symbol of wintertime holidays. Snowmen are friendly and frigid reminders of days when school is called off and your front yard is suddenly transformed into a blank canvas of perfect white possibilities. 
A snowman is round and welcoming with their crooked grin and borrowed scarf and hat. They're really not that far off from the mall Santa Claus we whisper our greatest wishes to before smiling for a photo and pocketing a candy cane. Nowadays, in fact, it's hard to think of a snowman without thinking of happy children. But as you might have guessed from the fact that we are talking about them, (laughs) this wasn't always the case. Nobody was like, this is just going to be fun. It's going to be the light. Nothing is dark. It's all good. Yeah. Oh, no. (laughs) Just kidding, you guys. The snowman started his life as something very different. I know that may seem hard to believe, but let's face it, at their core, snowmen are kind of like, they're a little bit creepy, right? A little, yeah. They sit motionless day after day and night after night on a sound-dampening blanket of cold. Snow is so quiet. It makes everything quiet. You're making it creepy. Well, yeah. (laughs) They sit there staring out blankly into the ether, thinking of God knows what, and then slowly begin to shrink and hideously morph as temperature warms, or worse yet, they dissolve headfirst in an unfortunate rainstorm. Oh, man. If we really think about it, there's a a little more uncanny valley about a snowman than we really give it credit for. In fact, I did read an article that likens them to clowns in the scare factor because they have a fixed face and it's white and it's just the features. Yeah. So I get it. We've talked about already uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) They can be creepy. Like, think about it. Like in Krampus. I love Krampus. It's one of my favorite holiday movies, obviously. But like the the harbinger of the Krampus is like these snowmans that just appear soundlessly out in the night snow, oh, like just sitting there. And then watched it. Oh no, Leslie, really? It's so good. It's really genuinely good. And the first time I watched it, I kind of thought I was hate watching something that was going to be awful. And then it was amazing. And I was mad at myself for for being so judgy. But they're like, they're creepy in a lot of movies. There are horror movies about snowmen. There's Doctor Who episodes. There you go. There's Doctor Who episode about snowmen. They can be kind of unsettling mm-hmm. to look at. But they were, in Doctor Who, they were only unsettling once they started moving. The idea just, of the snowman moving snowman is move. horrible. <laughs> I hate I, when they move around. <laughs> I agree with you. The thought of them just, just like shuffling along. Yeah. Nope. Oh boy. I hate that so much. Yeah. But like, have you ever built one in your front yard and then looked out at night and saw it like sitting there in your front yard? <laughs> there's always that minute, like for a like split second, you think there's a person standing in your yard. You're like, ah! oh. oh, wait, no, I built a snowman. So I get it. And you know what? <laughs> it's so uncomfortable. I know. They're like people, but not quite because people aren't normally legless, tri-segmented blobs with slender, handless arms and fixed grins. I mean, if we hadn't been known, what if we were? Uh, I mean, if we hadn't been trained to know that this frosty figure was supposed to be humanoid by years and years of singing his polar praises, we might think he was something else altogether, something a little more sinister. And back in the early days of Snowman, that's precisely what he was. To get an accurate picture of our button-nosed buddy, and if you want to know about how much more alliteration I'm going to do, strap in because it's a lot. (laughs) Let's go all the way back to his beginnings, which were anything but humble. Before I begin, I'd like to note that all the information in today's episode, no matter where else it may be listed or, or sourced, traces back to a book called The Illustrated History of the Snowman by Bob Eckstein. Bob is the world's leading and possibly only snowman scholar. <laughs> like, Bob knows everything about a snowman. I don't know that anybody else was like, huh, challenge, me too, Bob. I know way more things about snowmen. 
Anyway, so I feel that, you know, before we begin, we should tip our old silk hats to old Bob. So thank you for all of your research. I don't know where you had to go to find this. Very good. So the first recorded illustration and mention of a snowman was in an illuminated manuscript of the Book of Hours from 1380. Now, illuminated at that point in time meant illustrated. Mm -hmm. It wasn't um, on fire or like like lit from within. Yeah. Um, it was just illustrated. I like that. We should go back to that word. Agreed. It's a good one. And uh, this is in a super old library in the Netherlands. The Book of Hours is a Christian prayer book meant to guide worshipers through their daily prayer times and yearly feasts and celebrations. So they're pretty readily available. Book of Hours was something that like most Christians had in their pocket. Everyone bought one. Everyone had one. Some were more elaborate than others. There was price ranges on them. They're very accessible back in the Middle Ages. So they were quite popular, very heavily illustrated. And uh, the snowman in this particular version of the Book of Hours is like the two ball variety. So it's like a figure eight with like sloping arms on the sides. And then the top part of him is on fire. And the bottom has a little butt, like a little bum shape, like a little peach. That's um, being charred black by a stove. Oh, man. Yeah. He also has a very human-looking nose and an eye with an eyebrow. Oh, how do you fit that into the song? It's profile. (laughs) (laughs) With a human nose and an eyebrow. (laughs) It's not good. (laughs) He's also wearing a cap that has been described as something typically worn by Jewish people of the time. It is a... Yeah, I know we're going somewhere (laughs) terrible. Oh, shit. It doesn't look... Like a yarmulke, it looks like an acorn cap, like a little beret, but apparently that's that's okay. what it was. I don't know. I wasn't around in 1380. I can't tell you. It's less than flattering, though. The illustration is not good, and it was meant to be pretty anti-Semitic. Now, why would um, Christians be such horrible dicks to Jewish people back then? Well, I mean, other than your standard Christian supremacy complex, uh, I don't know if you remember European history, but 1380 wasn't exactly an awesome time to be alive there. They were not having the best of times. Oh, no. No, the Black Plague was furiously making its way through the population and the Christians, needing some kind of scapegoat because why use logic, decided to blame it on the Jewish people. And so they would build these snow effigies of Jewish folks to take their aggression out on. I guess sometimes that meant melting them on the stove. It's all pretty horrible. And snow folks would hold on to one form or another of violent political symbolism for many years to come. So I hate that. Yeah. Oh, I'm looking at the picture of it right now. Yeah, it's not. It's not nice. I don't like it at all. And this like anti-Semitic snowman thing actually carries on um, into like World War II era because the, this is so weird. I don't really have this in my information, but there's, it's only in one source. Apparently, because the Nazis were going for, like, domination of absolutely everything, Hitler mm-hmm. also had commissioned um, an animated film be made because he wanted to, like, take over Disney, too. He wanted to be bigger than Disney. And so the film they made was about a snowman. And it's, like, full of anti-Semitic, like, undercurrents and stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah it's it's not great. So. Do you think he illustrated, he illuminated it? Maybe. I don't think he, well, he was an artist. Yeah. Hitler was a painter. You yeah. never know. So moving moving forward with their horrible politicalness, um, we, we're going to go on to like the 1500s and we're over in Brussels now. Oh. Yes. Where townspeople banded together to construct over 100 snowmen in a public art installation that's in great big air quotes 
known as the Miracle of 1511. Kind of a weird miracle, though. You want to know why? Why? Um, <laughs> they use these snowmen not just as art, but as a sign of protest. So this had been a really hard weather for like people in Belgium and Brussels and stuff. It had been below freezing for six solid weeks. And they were, uh, there's not really a lot of ways to keep warm back in 1511 when it's below freezing for a long period of time. They were all very nervous. People were dying off. And so they put their anxieties into, quote, tangible lifelike models um, to humiliate the king, I guess. They were like a satirical diorama. And the snowmen were like super R-rated. So basically they were like taking a shit or having really graphic sex with one another. Um, <laughs> or they were just very sexually anatomically graphic. Um, or they were like nuns doing horrible things. Ooh. Yeah, they were all supposed to be like a political political cartoon type thing, okay. but they just sound like really pretty naughty. Um and then the rest of them that weren't like super X-rated were usually parodies back then of like folklore figures like mermaids or unicorns or the village idiot. Mm -hmm. So they weren't the traditional snowman you see nowadays. They were they were really like either kind of scary or like really scandalous. Ooh, uh, that kind of sounds fun though. I mean, yeah, if you go through a field of over 100 snowmen fucking, that would be something I've never seen before. Delightful. I'd be pretty, pretty impressed. I'd be like, wow, you guys. You are intense. And that one is taking a shit. Get that one out of here. I tried to do like a search of that and nothing really came up. But the only thing coming up in images right now, which now just makes this funny, is just Brussels winter wonders and Christmas markets. Just really sweet stuff. Woo! Yeah, not so much. <laughs> yeah, this was called the Miracle of 1511 when they took all of their humiliation on the, the powers that be, I guess for not being able to provide for them in this in this harsh situation where they're like kind of desperate and freezing. So they were like, okay, fuck all y'all. We're going to make these terrible snowmen. I mean, that makes a statement. I don't think it worked. But like, what kind of statement is it making? It says, um, some of them appeared in front of the palatial home of the Holy Roman Emperor Charles V to protest his absence, while many in Brussels suffered through a bitter winter marked by death. Oh, okay. So like, their rulers were not there. So they were like, we're going to be bad. Yeah, we're going to make all these really Raunchy, fucking awful things because like, you're not here yeah. and that's what we can do because we're poor. When the parents are away, the kids will play. That's right. And when you come back, you're going to be like, oh my God, all those snowmen are fucking if they don't melt. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Hopefully they come back <laughs> before spring. <laughs> we're going to paint pictures of them. <laughs> Probably not. So anyway, that was fun. But it wasn't all bad times for the Middle Ages snowmen. Okay. Some of them were better. Art historian Giorgio Vasari said that in 1494, Piero the Unfortunate, best name of a ruler yeah. in the world, the ruler of Florence, ordered famed artist Michelangelo to sculpt a snow figure in the Medici courtyard. No details as to what the figure represented remain. We don't know what it was. We just know what was like a, like a statue. But one art critic of the time referred to this piece as astonishingly beautiful. Hmm. Yeah, so it was this gorgeous snow sculpture. I mean, think like David and right. you know, it was probably like detailed and stunning and then it melted. Oh boy. But it was art better than the other ones, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. 
That's maybe. I, maybe, maybe not. I don't know how well these people. That's true. I mean, I'm looking at some of these like drawings of that Brussels thing and some of these look like they might have been nice. Yeah. This one pooping here. It's like a good. <laughs> they mentioned the one shitting in every article. Yeah. And then there's kind of this like goat-like satanic thing. Yeah, I'm here for that's the mythical cool. creatures. If you're making cryptids and stuff out of snow, that's awesome. I'm coming yeah. over. I don't want to see the other ones, but you know. Yeah. 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 No anti-Semitic snowmen. No snowmen no. like barfing or shitting. But if you're making I mean, like sexy snowmen. Okay. That's fine. Poop is always funny though. Mm. I guess. I don't need it in my snowmen. Get out of here. <laughs> But in just a few more years, the snowman's history would turn violent yet again. And this story takes us to what would later become the United States. So we got in on the... know that place. Yeah, we got in on the creepy snowman game early. Nice. The winter of 1690 was a bitter one in Schenectady, New York. And I don't mean just because it was cold. Mm. Schenectady? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. No, this was a time when the United States, were, or what would become the United States, was a hot commodity. And despite Europe's best attempts to simply move in and take everything there was, there was also the little matter of the people who already lived there. And these shenanigans seemed to royally piss them off, as well they should. In much of the late, and this is a wiki roundup on this story. So, quote, in much of the late 17th century, the Iroquois and the colonists of New France, so this is like um, Canada, like the area up in Canada, engaged in protracted struggle for the control of the North American fur trade. So the fur trade was a big deal in North America, made you tons of money. Everybody wanted a piece of it. And this struggle was known as the Beaver Wars. Oh, man. Which is probably also the name of some other stuff, but we don't need to look that up. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) The Iroquois also fought other Native American nations to control the lucrative trade with the French. So as I said, everybody wants a piece of this trade. In August of 1689, the Iroquois launched one of their most devastating raids against the French frontier community of Lachaine. This attack occurred after France and England had declared war on each other because basically everybody was fighting each other for this one thing. But before the news had reached North America, New France's governor organized an expedition from Montreal to attack English outposts in the South as retaliation for English support of the Iroquois. So the English had supported the Iroquois against France. France got really pissed off. And they were like, well, now we're going to fuck with the English. Here we go. The expedition consisted of 114 French Canadians, 80 Salts, and 16 Algonquin warriors with a few converted Mohawk. They marched the 200 miles over land in about 22 days. So they were motivated. Yeah. The expedition made its way across the ice of Lake Champlain and Lake George. So they walked over these lakes. That's how cold it was. They were frozen solid. They're walking over them. So scary. I know. know. You're going to fall right through. You guys, come on. Don't do it. And they walked toward the English settlements on the Hudson River. They found Fort Orange first to be well defended. So like, fuck, we can't go to Fort Orange. There's a lot of people out there. But a scouting party reported on February 8th that there was no one guarding the stockade at the small frontier village of Schenectady to the west. See, Schenectady and Albany were so politically polarized in the wake of the 1689 rebellion that I just spoke of earlier that they had not communicated with one another about any strategy. So this this fort was common ground and it was owned by Schenectady and Albany and um, they weren't talking to each other. 
And so in the wake of their stubbornness, nobody organized people to guard the gates. That'll happen. Yeah. Yeah. One thought the other one was doing it. The other one thought the other one was doing it. And nobody was out there. This is like a... It's like a marriage. So the I know. <laughs> so the gates were left open, and the only thing standing guard were two snowmen that had been set up as decoys. Oh, well, I mean, there you go. <laughs> they were like, "It's fine. Snowmen yeah. are out there." I imagine they had been set up in like a moment where they're like, "Okay, this will just like be a distraction. We'll be right back or something." But yeah. then they never live guards never entered the chat. It was they were like, just, "It's working." It's Every day the they snowman. woke up and they were like, "It's still working. We're fine." <laughs> Until it. Oh God! So then, a raiding party of 114 French soldiers and militiamen, accompanied by 96 Allied Indigenous people attacked the unguarded community, destroying most of the homes and killing or capturing most of the uh, the settlement's inhabitants. 60 residents were all killed under the fixed and watchful gaze of the snowman standing guard. Wonderful. They didn't do anything. I can't believe it. But they stood there during like a bloody battle, just like frozen smiling into the distance. <laughs> There's that creepy thing I'm talking about. They were just not moving, standing there like, it's fine. It's fine. We're fine. (laughs) Cleanse our lands in blood. (laughs) Yeah, creepy. And as bad as snowmen are at standing guard, snow women weren't much better. (sighs) I know. Ladies. Try and and fucking do us right, ladies. Jesus. During the 1870 siege of Paris that took place uh, during the Franco-Prussian War, a group of French soldiers built a nine-foot-tall La Statue de la Résistance, which is the Statue of the Resistance, that proved equally as ineffective at guarding gates. <laughs> the snow woman was very tall and imposing, and they put her on top of a cannon. Oh, man. Which, you know, that's... Oh, I'm looking at that right now. Yeah, that's going to do it. Sexy. And it seemed to just, like, kind of be inviting the Prussian invaders to try taking the city. It's very much like, try me, come and get me, which was not not like the message they were trying to communicate. Yeah, sure. They were trying to say, go away, we're scary. That didn't work. We got large women in cannons. That's right. <laughs> you don't want any of this. And they're like, they have large women with cannons. We're coming. <laughs> let's let's go. But the next year she melted and Paris surrendered. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, Snow Lady. That is the problem. Yeah. Now, I'd say that I've given all of you listeners more than a couple of good reasons to be afraid of snowmen already. But Leslie... I think I think you have even more for us. Oh, I do. Don't I you? Do. So, tell, so why don't you tell us a little bit about um, why a snowman might be so fearsome or one might be afraid of a snowman or something to that effect. Sure. So I found out that there is, I mean, there's a fear of everything, right? Of course. Yeah. So there is a fear of snowmen. Okay. And it stems from the fear of snow. That makes sense. Which is, and I'm going to try to say this. Chionophobia. Chi- Hold on. You were Hold singing on. it before and it was working. You were saying it like Super Mario. Chionophobia. There you go. Chionophobia. Yes, That's how I it. learned it on the, pro- how to pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Chionophobia. So with, that is the fear of snow. It's an extreme fear of snow in snowy weather. People with this disorder have severe anxiety and panic attacks when they think about or see snow. Mm. Um, which I guess I just didn't think about that, but it is considered a, um, it's obviously like a specific phobia disorder and is considered a natural environment phobia. So environmental phobias are 
pretty common. They would be like the fear of tornadoes or hurricanes um, or like a fear of the dark or something like that. Sure. So they, like if you look up this disorder, it's just going to be lumped in with the general just like having phobias and what the statistics are of people having that. And then just overall, like, you know, you're more likely to have them if you have like generalized anxiety disorders if you have a history of panic attacks or if you have mental illness or obsessive compulsive disorder mood disorder such as depression or other phobias can lead to this phobia sure um or substance abuse disorders um there is one lady that has a fear of snow because um she fell in it um you know uh while pregnant and Uh but everything was fine okay but she just now is terrified of it and then it led to her also being scared of ice oh so now she can't go places that have ice so like she can't go out to restaurants oh like ice cubes ice cubes oh god got, got severe that's so different it got severe yeah so what are the symptoms of geonophobia yeah please tell me uh so hearing a weather report with snow in the forecast can cause it um seeing snow obviously can cause it either in person or in a movie or in a photograph Uh um thinking about snow and definitely seeing a snowman will cause it yeah for sure um so this can definitely lead to people being specifically scared of snowmen yeah all right so how do you manage or treat treat it you know yeah what do you do cognitive behavioral therapy course um, to help you think about your fears in a different way and gain more control over how to respond to them exposure therapy get right in that get in that snowman get up in it maybe make a snowman yeah make one up um hypnotherapy can maybe help you guide through a snowy meditation or something yeah maybe you're there with like your your childhood friends building that snowman and it's it's not creepy yeah yeah it's nice it's nice maybe the snowman's giving you a hug (laughs) nice hug not right away (laughs) we're gonna work on that with his dick hands he's just patting you on the back (laughs) Hey there, pal. (laughs) Tap, tap, tap. (laughs) Um, Psychotherapy, you know, like, let's talk through those fears. Yeah, we have to understand them better. Maybe we'll figure out ways to cope with them. Um, Other people, they just, like, don't live where it snows. Um, That's one way to do it. they, They don't watch movies that have snow, so none of the Hallmark Christmas movies, those are out the door. No. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I just, I guess I, I, I mean, I feel bad, but there are people that are specifically, so being scared of snow, obviously I think you would just be naturally scared of a snowman yeah. for just the reason that it's just snow and ice. Yeah. But then there are people that are just literally scared of snowmen. And there's a hilarious <gasps> TikTok video that I will have to share. It is so funny. <laughs> I feel bad for this woman. But we were howling. Like, I think that this. I think, I feel like the show was trying to help her and it just exploited her it fear. It went really wrong. And now this poor girl, it just gets shared all the time. They showed her the scariest snowman ever. Yes. It's like when you, you know, bunnies are cute until yeah. they're the Easter bunny in a suit. Yeah. Like no Easter bunny is cute. If someone's like, I'm afraid of bunnies, you don't go, let's watch Donnie Darko. Right. You say like, right. here's a little baby bunny. Or take them to like, go see the Easter bunny at a brunch. Don't do that either. Yeah, they're correct. They're always terrifying. Correct. And so that's what this was. This was not a cute. Also, the way they opened the curtain. Oh man, it was this- too much. <laughs> it was, they went too it far. Was- I'm going to, I assume 
only a man can stand that way in the suit. Oh, Lord. <laughs> it was awful. Yeah. It was horrible. And the poor girl just turned away. She just like shattered. crumbled. <laughs> yeah. She just start, turned to dust. And basically. everybody in the room just knew it was wrong immediately. Their faces went, oh, we made a mistake. Oh, this wasn't good. Oh, no. And then they went, we're going to close the curtain. <laughs> they just like sure, drew the curtain back I'm up. I'm pretty sure everyone in the room did not think she really could be scared of a snowman. Not that scared. All proven wrong. They probably anticipated her like jumping a little or being like uncomfortable, right. not like profoundly terrified right. and crying. Like she she was actually scared of snowmen yep. and not just the snow. No, this was that was not, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah. Um, interesting though. I did not think that that was something people could be scared of. But also the beginning of Holly's little tale here had me terrified of snowmen. So Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, don't they know could. That I'll ever want to build one again, unless it's a tiny little guy, a little cute that one. You can put your little Dairy Queen baseball cap on. I like that one. Yeah, I think that they could also qualify like a fear of snowman under like automatonophobia, which is the fear of like statues and mannequins and oh, wax figures. That could be, yeah, anything mm-hmm. that's like a frozen but human form, like people who are afraid of ventriloquist dummies or dolls. It's all the yeah. same kind of thing, and we've talked about this at length before, and it falls as I mentioned in the beginning, under the Uncanny Valley theory, mm-hmm. where they're just too close, but not close enough. Right. And your brain goes, that's a dead body. And then you panic. Right. That's the weird science in our reptile brain behind the Uncanny Valley. It's my favorite fact. Oh, oh. But yeah, we just can't separate that. And then our brain goes into panic because it thinks whatever got that thing it might still be around. So you got to right. run. Right. Oh, okay. So this is, it's a little off topic, sure. but it's just the, the like dead face kind of thing. Yeah. I just unfortunately was in a Reddit group, like um, science-based parenting things. Okay. And I read this feed about like, you know, looking at your phone or watching television, like while feeding your baby or something mm-hmm. like that. And I did not know, and I could not look more into it because it just made me so uncomfortable. But sometimes like your baby might like freak out and it's because they're saying that when you're just watching television or staring at your phone, you sometimes look like you're dead. You're not moving anymore. Like you're that not makes looking sense. at them. Yeah. Like they need to have that, eye, especially like an infant needs to have the eye to eye contact. And that like terrified me. So now like sometimes when I'm like feeding daughter, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and then earlier today she did, I kind of was just like staring off. And she like made like a yelp. And I was like, <gasps> she thinks I'm dead. I'm fine. Oh, no. <laughs> it's been in my head. And so you saying that, I'm like, oh. My God. But that's the same principle. It's yeah. all the same kind of thing. Frozen faces make mm-hmm. the most basic part of the human brain think that there is a dead human there. Yeah. And then your brain goes, run away because whatever got it could still be around and get you. Right. And that's why we are afraid of those things. Yeah. So there is like some science behind it. this woman who was like crumpled in the face of a snowman. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, maybe that was it, but I don't know. I mean, we all would have been though, because that That was a terrifying was horrifying. Yeah, to be fair, it was awful. It looked like a serial killer. Yeah, it it definitely 100% looked like somebody had just murdered seven people in that costume and then like limped along and came and saw this woman. I wouldn't be surprised if no one else in the room thought that that's what was behind. And they were all equally like, oh God. (laughs) Yeah, we couldn't have done better than that. Nobody picked like yeah. like a little plush one or like the one from the Rankin Bass special. We picked that. Ugh. Bad choice, guys. Bad props department. You're all fired. Thanks. Goodbye. Worse. Yeah, we'll post it. 
yeah, you guys need to see it very obviously. So, yeah. Do you have any more scary snowman things? No, that was all. That was good. <laughs> Just checking. I don't want to move on. So, for a while, terrifying, offensive, and folkloric snowmen were kind of the dominating forces in the snow society, with the exception of a few that were made by families in pastoral villages. These snowmen were friendly and round or like kind of like mound shaped. Cute. And they would put them up to pass the long winter days and to brighten up the bleak bleakness of the cold and barren landscape. So that's more like it. You yeah. have parents doing it with kids or young couples who have just gone out to like start their farm or whatever. And it's snowy and they're bored and they're like, let's make some fun things in the snow. Yeah. And it's nice. Those are much nicer memories. That's way more like it. And when the Victorian era came into full bloom, Prince Albert's love affair with Christmas ushered in a kinder and gentler snowman. Well, kind of. <laughs> They're also nearly always very tragic. You see, the snowman is also a symbol of our fleeting existence, here one moment and gone the next. <sighs> it is the embodiment of how short life can be, and the stories about them reflect that. Take, for instance, The Snowman by Hans Christian Andersen, which introduces the trope of a snowman loving what he cannot have, heat. Okay, Olaf comes yeah. from a long line of snowman mm -hmm. stories. So sit back and relax. This is the only one that I'm going to read to us all. Okay. Because we have to get a story time with our Christmas character. Sure, sure. So well, also, before you start, I sure. just want to, that makes a lot of sense because the Victorian era is like such a morbid era. Of course. Era. They would love to mix their like happy children's creature yeah. with like the reality of death. They are just the most emo. I love them very much. Of eras. Yeah. That's why we love them. We do. So, Hans Christian Andersen's The Snowman. Quote, It is so bitterly cold that my whole body crackles, said the snowman. This wind can really blow life into you. And how that glaring thing up there glares at me. He meant the sun. It was just setting. She won't make me blink. I'll hold on to the pieces. The pieces were two large triangular pieces of tile, which he had for eyes. Ew. <laughs> Wait, it gets worse. His mouth was part of an old rake, hence he had teeth. Oh. He had been born amid the triumphant shouts of boys and welcomed by the jingling of sleigh bells and the cracking of whips from the passing sleighs. Lovely. Festive, except for those tile chip eyes and that rake mouth. <laughs> the sun went down and the full moon rose, big and round, bright and beautiful in the clear blue sky. Here she comes again from the other side, the snowman said, for he thought it was the sun showing itself again. Ah, I've cured her of staring all right. Now let her hang up there and shine so that I can see myself. If I only knew how to move from this place. No, don't move. We hate it. No. Don't, don't move. I'd like so much to move. Oh. If I could, I'd slide along there on the ice, the way I see the boys slide but I don't know how to run. Okay, that's better. Yeah. If he's sliding like a penguin, that's a little that's friendlier cute. than yeah. like lumping along. Oh, that would be cute. <laughs> okay. Lump along. All right. Oh, lumpy. Oh, lumpy snowman. Away, away, barked the old watchdog. He was quite hoarse from the time when he was a house dog lying under the stove. The sun will teach you how to run. Why is he not a house dog anymore? Who threw him out into the snow to be a watchdog? Not nice. Oh. I don't like this scenario for the dog. Anyway, that's why, why he's bitter. Why did he want him to go away? Was he peeing on him? I don't know. He says, 
The sun will teach you how to run. I saw your predecessor last winter. And before that, his predecessor. Away, away, and away they all go. He's saying like, you all melt anyway. Melt. Oh, that's what he's saying. Melt. Melt, snowman. Oh, the dog? Yeah, the dog's an a-hole in this story. Oh. Because he's bitter from being kicked out of the house. That's okay, I get it. Sounds like it's his own fault. Yeah. Well, or the owners. Maybe his owners are total assholes. Maybe he was an asshole to the owner. Maybe he Maybe was. he was telling his owners you to know, melt, we too. Don't, we don't know this dog's story. Could be anything. But he's having a bad time. And he's being kind of a dick. Moving we forward. We don't know his day. That's true. <laughs> I don't understand you, friend, said the snowman. Neither do we. Neither, yeah. <laughs> Is that thing up there going to teach me how to run? He meant the moon. Why, she was running the last time I saw her a little while ago. And now she comes sneaking back from the other side. You don't know anything at all, replied the watchdog. But then, of course, you've just been put together. The one you are looking at now is called the moon, and the one who went away was the sun. She will come again tomorrow, and she will teach you to run down into the ditch. We're going to have a change of weather soon. I can feel it in my left hind leg. I have a pain in it. The weather is going to change. I guess I kind of get this story so far, though, because dogs do like might bark at a snowman that's true so he's probably just playing off of the fact that like the dogs are like this thing looks real it's like Mm -hmm. creeping them out so they're just barking at it or maybe like the first one they had he thought it was going to be like his friend that plays with him and now he's like doesn't move sad about it because they never did but it's probably like kind of comical that he put this dog in there to bark at him probably all right okay i don't understand him said the snowman to himself but i have a feeling he's talking about something unpleasant The one that stared at me and went away, whom he called the sun, is no friend of mine either. I can feel that. Away, away, barked the watchdog. And then he walked around three times and crept into his kennel to sleep. The weather really did change. Early the next morning, a thick, damp mist lay over the whole countryside. At dawn, a wind rose. It was icy cold. The frost set in hard. But when the sun rose, what a beautiful sight it was. The trees and bushes were covered with hoarfrost, H-O-A-R, not, not like slutty frost, oh, which frost. would be so fun, <laughs> and looked like a forest of white coral, while every twig seemed smothered with glittering white flowers. The enormously many delicate branches that are concealed by the leaves in the summer now appeared, every single one of them, and made a gleaming white lacework so snowy white that a white radiance seemed to spring from every bough. The birch waved in the wind as if it had life, like the rest of the trees in the summer. It was all wonderfully beautiful. And when the sun came out, how it glittered and sparkled, as if everything had been strewn with diamond dust, and big diamonds had been sprinkled on the snowy carpet of the earth. Or one could also imagine that countless little lights were gleaming brighter than even the snow itself. Pretty. It's wonderfully beautiful, said a young girl who had come into the garden with a young man. Yeah, I know. Romantic times. They stopped near the snowman and gazed at the flashing trees. Summer can't show us a lovelier sight, she said, and her eyes sparkled with delight. And we can't have a fellow like this in the summertime either, the young man agreed, and he pointed to the snowman. He's splendid. Oh, that's nice. This is reminding me, it's like giving me so much of Frozen vibes. Yeah, it it yeah. definitely does. The young girl left. Well, also, didn't Hans Christian Andersen write The Snow Queen? So this would be, maybe they uh, married the two together for Frozen. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. 
The young girl laughed, nodded to the snowman, and then danced over the snow with her friend, over snow that crackled under her feet as though they were walking on starch. Who are those two? asked the snowman of the watchdog. You've been around this yard longer than I have. Do you know them? Of course I know them, said the watchdog. She pets me. And he once threw a meat bone. I don't bite those two. (laughs) Everybody else, though, bite them. (laughs) (laughs) But what are they supposed to be? Asked the snowman. Sweethearts, replied the watchdog. They'll go to move into the same kennel someday and gnaw the same (laughs) bone together. See, it's comical. Yeah. (laughs) Olay, olay. But are they as important as you and I? Asked the snowman. Why, they are members of the master's family, said the watchdog. People certainly don't know very much if they were only born yesterday. I can tell that from you. Now I have age and knowledge. I know everybody here in the house, and I know a time when I didn't have to stand out there in the cold, fastened to a chain. Away, away. So this also gives us roots to Frosty, where Frosty is the snowman that was like born that day. Right. Happy birthday. Yes. <laughs> so, so the idea that he knows nothing of the world around him is kind of yeah. taking root in, from the story as well. Mm-hmm. The cold is lovely, said the snowman. But tell me, tell me, only don't rattle that chain. It makes me shiver inside when you do that. Away, away, barked the watchdog. They used to tell me I was a pretty little puppy when I lay in a velvet-covered chair up in the master's house or sat in the mistress's lap. They used to kiss me on the nose and wipe my paws with an embroidered handkerchief. They called me the handsomest little pupsy-wupsy. <laughs> but then I grew too big for them to keep. So they gave me away to the housekeeper. That's how I came to live down in the basement. You can look down into it from where you're standing. You can look right up into the room where I was master. For that was what I was to the housekeeper. Of course, the place was inferior to that upstairs, but I was more comfortable there and wasn't constantly grabbed and pulled about by the children as I had been upstairs. I had just as good food as ever and much more of it. I had my own cushion and then there was a stove which is the finest thing in the world at this time of year. I crept right in under it so that I was out of the way. I still dream of that stove sometimes. Away, away. Does a stove look so beautiful? Asked the snowman. Does it look like me? It's just the opposite of you. (laughs) It's as black as coal and has a long neck and a brass stomach. It eats firewood so that fire spurts from its mouth. You must keep beside it or underneath it. It's very comfortable there. You must be able to see it through the window from where you're standing. The snowman looked, and he really saw a brightly polished thing with a brass stomach and a fire glowing from the lower part of it. A very strange feeling swept over the snowman. He didn't know what it meant and couldn't understand it, but all the people who aren't snowmen know that feeling. Okay. Okay. All right. Why did you leave her? asked the snowman, for it seemed to him that a stove must be a female. Right. Why? Yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, we all have brass bellies, so that's probably that's probably it. why he assumed that. So, how yeah. could you leave a place like that? I was compelled to, replied the watchdog. They turned me outside and chained me up here. You see, I had bitten the youngest of the master's children in the there leg. Bite, bite, bite. <laughs> <laughs> because he had kicked away a bone I was gnawing. A bone for a bone, I always say. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> but also in the same category as the beaver war. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) they didn't like that at all. And from that time, I've been chained out here and I have lost my voice. Don't you hear how hoarse I am? Away, away. And that was the end of that. 
But the snowman wasn't listening to him any longer. <laughs> oh, no! This poor dog. Well, I mean, he's brand new to the world. He's distracted. Happy birthday. <laughs> he kept peering in the housekeeper's basement room where the stove stood on its four iron legs, just about the same size as the snowman himself. I'm just imagining that, like, snap filter with the hearts when you, like, zoom in. <laughs> oh, God. The same size as him. What a strange crackling there is inside of me, he cried. I wonder if I'll ever get in there. That's an innocent wish, and our innocent wishes are sure to be fulfilled. It is my only wish, my biggest wish. It would almost be unfair if it wasn't granted. I must get in and lean against her, even if I have to break a window. You'll never get in there, said the watchdog, and if you go near that stove, you'll melt anyway. Away, away! <laughs> I'm as good as gone anyway, replied the snowman. I think I'm breaking up. All day long, the snowman stood looking through the window. At twilight, the room grew still more inviting. A mild glow came from the stove, not like the moon or the sun either, but just like the glow of a stove when it has been well filled. So the stove didn't look like anything else. It looked like a stove. Great. Thanks. <laughs> Every time the room door was opened, the flames leaped out of the stove's mouth. This was a habit it had. The flame fell distinctly on the white face of the snowman and glowed ruddy on his breast. I can't stand it any longer, he cried. How beautiful she looks when she sticks out her tongue. We all look beautiful yes. when we stick out our tongues. So I get it. Mm. Mm. The night was very long, but it didn't seem long to the snowman. He stood lost in his own pleasant thoughts, and they froze until they crackled. In the morning, the window panes of the basement room were covered with ice. They showed the most beautiful ice flowers that any snowman could desire, but they hid the stove. The window panes wouldn't thaw, so he couldn't see the stove. Oh, no. I know. It creaked and crackled. But it was just the sort of weather a snowman should most thoroughly enjoy. But he didn't enjoy it. Indeed, how could he enjoy anything when he was so stove sick? <laughs> Cute. <laughs> That's a terrible sickness for a snowman, said the watchdog. I've also suffered from it myself, but I got over it. Away, away! <laughs> There's going to be a change in the weather. And there was a change in the weather. It began to thaw. The thaw increased and the snowman decreased. Oh. He never complained, and that is an infallible sign. One morning he collapsed, and behold, where he had stood, there was something like a broomstick sticking up from the ground. Oh. It was the pole the boys had built him up around. Yeah. So I guess some people use a support to build a snowman yep. around, which is very smart. Now I understand why he had such an intense longing for the stove, said the watchdog. The snowman had a stove rake in his body. And that's what moved inside him. Now he's gotten over that too. Away, away! And soon the winter was over too. Away, away, barked the watchdog, but the little girls in the house sang. A woodruff spring up, fresh and proud, round about, and willow tree hang your woolen mitts out. Come cuckoo and lark, come and sing. At February's close, we are ready to have spring. Tweet, tweet, cuckoo, I am singing with you. Come out, dear son, come off in skies of blue. And nobody thought any more about the snowman. Oh. Sad. Real sad. Like super sad. But you can see in that one story where so many of our snowman tropes come from. Yeah. But there are also things that I really love about that story. Like I, I love the way that like his love for the snow, the, the stove where he's like staring at her makes the ice on the window panes look like flowers. Yeah. I thought that's really beautiful. And that's also something that if you were telling the story to a child, 
in your own windows frosted up, you could be like, oh, there must be a snowman looking into our warm house. Right. You know, that's like a really cute. Terrifying. <laughs> I mean, now we're terrified yeah. of it. Can you imagine it just like staring in the window? Yeah. Black coal eyes. I can. Just looking. It's awful. Yeah, I don't love that. Anyway. Uh, away, away. We <laughs> <laughs> need the dog. <laughs> no wonder. Oh, God. I also really love that the snowman loves the stove because the stove has been part of him all yeah, along. Yeah, that's cute. It's his warm heart. Yes. Okay, Olaf again. Okay. Yeah, I know. I think Olaf has a lot of roots in this snowman. Yeah, for sure. That makes sense. Yeah. That is the Hans Christian Andersen. Uh, Nathaniel Hawthorne also offered up a very famous snowman story. Don't worry, I'm not reading the whole thing. It is called The Snow Image, A Childish Miracle. Okay. <laughs> this is a story about two young girls named Violet and Peony. Oh. Which is so cute. And uh, they make a girl out of snow. They're, they're city girls. And they go to the country with their family. And they have a big, beautiful snowfall. And they run outside to play. And they build a girl. And the girl comes to life. And everyone is so surprised and enchanted by her. Um, even their parents. Their parents see her. This little snow girl is running around with everybody outside. But their stubborn father refuses to believe that this girl is actually made of snow and forces her to come inside to warm herself by the fire, despite all of the children's protesting. Much to the children's horror, the girl melts, and the father asks the maid to fetch a towel. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. Dads. Oh, man, dads. <laughs> They're so crazy. I know. <laughs> so, But that's still like, you bring them inside, it's warm, they melt, the end. So... In order to bring the snowman into the modern era without totally killing all of our souls, we had to cheer him up a little bit after that, right? Mm -hmm. And I bet you're thinking, oh, yay, Frosty. And yeah, Frosty is definitely why we love snowman to this day. But did you know he's a total ripoff? I know, sad times. Tell me about it. Perry Como's famous 1950 Christmas Carol, Frosty the Snowman, is a point-for-point -point retelling of a 1944 children's book called Snowy the Traveling Snowman by Ruth Berman. Mm -hmm. Snowy was a living snowman with a corncob pipe and a button nose. <gasps> yep. And two eyes made out of... Coal. Yep. Snowy also went bumpity bump as he slid down the hills. But, you know, that's not the same as thumpity thump thump, so Frosty's totally different. Oh, there you go. Yeah, uh-huh. Well, that's, that's the chain. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Frosty, though, was the snowman renaissance we all didn't know we needed. The song and subsequent specials, books, toys, movies, marketing campaigns, and the like shaped the way we see our friendly snow pals to this very day. But even with the Frosty juggernaut taken hold, there are still a few weird snowman traditions in place around the world, and a fact or two that didn't fit in with any of my other stories. So here is a little strange snowman lightning round. For over 30 years, the Japanese city of Sapporo in the Hokkaido region has hosted the Sapporo Snow Festival, where an infestation of 12,000 mini snowmen cluster in a field wearing cryptic messages from their makers. Oh. They're terrifying looking. They're mm. all little, but they all have like scary little notes on them. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, there's a festival. There's the Snowman Festival. Oh, this is a lot of German. Held every February in Bavaria, which speaks features Jacob, Germany's uber-gigantic snowman. So Jacob's the world's biggest snowman. He's gigantic. His name is Jacob every year. I don't know why. But they build this enormous snowman for their because snowman festival. Because they bring him back, just like Frosty. He comes back every year. Right, that's right. And he's even bigger than before. Yes. Well, they grow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. 
But the prize for the world's biggest anthropomorphized snow pile goes to a snow lady named Olympia, created in 2008 by the people of Bethel, Maine. And she was named after the state senator whose name was Olympia Snow. What a good name. That's amazing. I know. So they built this snow lady in a month-long plow fest and the 122-foot-tall cone-shaped she-beast, this is a quotation, I will make sure to add the article in the show notes, was decked out in big snowflake jewels and had six-foot-long eyelashes. I love it. I know. She's a glamour girl. Yeah. Definitely. No, I've been to Bethel, Maine. Have you? I have, yeah. We we summered there once. Summering will not show you a giant snowman. It will not, no. No. I played a lot of golf. (laughs) I was little. I was a little tight playing golf. (laughs) (laughs) A little kid golfer. Yeah, just a little kid golfer. Uh, Then in California, where they don't get a whole lot of snow, they don't want to miss out on any of this snowman action, though. So in Sonoma Valley, they fire up the holiday season with uh, something called the Lighting of the Snowman Festival which is um, hundreds of electrical snowman that they put in like formations and they light them all up at once. And it's like this giant marching snowman. Yeah. I know it sounds kind of eerie. Yeah. <laughs> Hearing Beyonce's. I know they're in like concentric circles <laughs> and like lines and stuff. And there's just tons of them. But that's not even like the weirdest, scariest thing about snowmen that are lit up. Um, so snowmen are also used in, as an effigy a lot of times, uh-huh. which would be something that you symbolically destroy. And with a snowman's case, it's to like mark the end of the icy months or or winter. So they'd be like, I'll burn the snowman and winter will end and we'll have a beautiful warm summer. In Zurich, Switzerland, a giant snowman called the Boog. Oh, it's a Boog, like a boogeyman. Okay. He's a pretty big deal. So the Swiss make a big cotton Boog, boogeyman snowman thing. He looks like a snowman. He has the hat and the scarf and the eyes and stuff. And then they stuff it with firecrackers and parade him through the city streets to the town center where he is then like burned at the stake, essentially. He's like strapped down and lit on fire and then all the fireworks inside him explode. And the quicker his head explodes, the better summer you will have. That's weird. Yeah, what you really want is that head to explode fast. Yeah. If it takes a while, six more months of winter or whatever it is. (laughs) Yeah, not good. Uh, at the Rose Sunday Festival in Weinheim an der Bergestrasse, Germany. <laughs> Woo! German is phonetic, so that yeah. may not be perfect, but it's closer than other languages for me. The mayor leads a parade through town and he asks all the local children to be good so that they earn the privilege of a nice warm spring coming. So, so basically, like, if you're bad, it's going to be cold forever, kids. Yeah. That's terrible. But the children are like, okay, we'll be good. And then everybody burns a big straw snowman. Right. Until they soon realize that whether they're good or bad, it doesn't matter. The weather going to be weather. Weather going to weather. Weather going to weather. I know. But like still, there's probably some out there that are like, maybe it was me. We don't know. I just watched this TikTok of (laughs) these little kids. It was like their, you know, parents doing the voiceover mm-hmm. for the kids. Yeah. And it was about Christmas and all this stuff. And then they woke up the next day and they had all these gifts. And they were just like, and apparently we were on the good list, even though, like, despite my parents telling us we were on the bad list the whole time, we were on the good list. We got all these gifts. This was great. And they're just running around in their cars. Oh, boy. <laughs> so see, weather going to weather. Yeah, weather is going to weather. Uh, this is a fun fact. The earliest known photograph of a snowman was taken in around 1853 by Welsh photographer Mary Dillwyn. 
The original photograph is in the collection at the National Library of Wales. And you can see this photo pretty readily online. And I think it's really spooky. It's just like, I don't know. I can't really tell you why I think it's so spooky. Probably because the photo is so old. It's kind of scratched and grainy. Mm. And the people are in, you know, clothing from 1853. And then there's just like a snowman. So what is 1853 snowman? Yeah, just look up like first photograph of a snowman. The snowman kind of looks like a pile of snow with a head. Oh. You got it? It is just kind of like a pile. Yeah. And then a head. And then it looks like it has one of those like diplomas on the top. Oh, like oh, like a graduation cap. Yeah. It has this like flat thing on its head. Yeah, but the eyes look like hollow, like from yep. because of the image. And then like Abraham Lincoln is next to it with like <laughs> a the shovel. woman bundled up in a yeah. hundred scarves. <laughs> yeah, it's weird because I think any kind of snowman doesn't really. It's like a like a timeless image. Snowmen are just always kind of there. But then you see these old timey people and you're like, what is happening? I feel like I just time traveled and it's a little scary. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I know. I don't know why. I just It's just eerie to me. So yeah, we'll put that in the photo suite. You can take a look at it. Lastly, there is one snowman question that remains unanswered. Why are these shaped like that? Yeah. People aren't shaped like that. We're not like three balls and some stick arms. Well, some say the snowman's shape has Japanese origins. And to be fair, their snowmen are like a hundred times cuter. They're so cute. They're amazing. Everything there is cute. It is. The Japanese word for snowman is yuki daruma. This is a combination of the word yuki, which means snow, and daruma, which is the name for a Zen Buddhist monk from a long time ago named Bohidharma, who is believed to be the founder of Zen Buddhism and brought it from India to China. So like a little Buddha. Yeah, yeah, so cute. Which would explain their round shape. Okay. So the image of like a sitting Buddha where yeah. you see they have like the round belly and then the little round head. Yeah. That's very close to a snowman. Okay. So that makes sense to me. This explains the round shape. And but if you don't like that explanation, some people say that the snowman is constructed the way he is because of simple physics. Yeah. Spears are the best building blocks for snowman forming snowballs. And this is from the Smithsonian, by the way, quote, Spheres are the best building blocks for snowmen. Forming snowballs and packing the snow together exerts pressure on the ice crystals so that some melt during construction. After melting, the water will crystallize once again, binding together the snowball. When it comes to stacking, the standard large, medium, small structure is the way to go to avoid toppling. Keeping the snowman's center of mass low is paramount in the construction of any snowman. The center of mass refers to the point in any object where its mass is concentrated. If you could balance a snowman on your finger, little tiny snowman, balance it on your finger, holding it at the center of mass would keep it stable. The closer that point is to the ground, the less likely a vertical object is to fall over. Yeah. So there you have it. Yeah. Yep. So now, everyone, armed with all of that information, if your hometown is blanketed with snow this winter, you can confidently answer that age-old question. Do you want to build a snowman? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> yeah, I don't know now. Ula. I don't. I don't know if I. <laughs> I don't know if I want to build a snowman now. It's I don't a little, know. A little creepy. Toast. Toast. Oh, no. oh my goodness. <laughs> to to Bob the Snowman Scholar. Yes. Yay! Thanks for doing all the hard work, buddy. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, man. Um, to... I know. There's not, like, 
there's not much of a hero in this story. No, I guess, um, I guess to Hans. To Hans Hans Christian Andersen for giving us the snowman. Yeah. And so many other stories. Yeah. Um, And to that poor dog. Yeah, the poor dog. He had a really hard time. He did have a hard time. And to the two younger ones that feed him and that he doesn't bite. Cheers to them. Agreed. And lastly, to Ruth Berman, who wrote Frosty the Snowman, but didn't actually get credit for any of it. And we almost didn't give her credit. I know. And like the way we see and perceive snowmen to this day is pretty much all because of Frosty. So thank you, Ruth. If you want the original, you can buy Snowy the Traveling Snowman on like mm, eBay and Etsy and stuff. So cheers to Ruth. Thumpity thump, bumpity bump. Well, I think that's all we have for this year's holiday episode. Yep. And if we fell in love with a stove, just wanted to give it a big hug, we We would would be dead. Thank you for listening to the We Would Be Dead podcast. Hit subscribe now to never miss an episode. Rate and review our show on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at WouldBeDeadPod. And join our Facebook group to discuss the podcast and more. Do you want to build a snowman? (laughs) Probably not.